Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the New Marketing Show, the marketing podcast where we talk about how effective digital marketing and web development solves business problems. Today we're going to do a little bit something different. We're going to do a throwback to my WordCamp Phoenix talk where we talk about the fundamentals of building a kick-ass WordPress site. So I think that while this happened in 2013, I think that all the points are still relevant today. And the point that I wanted to bring across to everybody is you know, the basics and the principles of digital marketing, the basics and the principles of WordPress development and web design are consistent no matter what technology you use or advances in technology. So check it out and thanks for listening. How's everybody doing today? So just a quick poll of the audience. Any Who are beginners here who know little or nothing about WordPress. Awesome, I see a lot of hands. That's, you guys are the people that I'm really gonna speak to about this. This presentation is not dev-centric or anything scary like that. If, if it's too remedial, this is like, uh, it's gonna be like kind of a higher level 101 type of WordPress thing. So I'm gonna cover a lot of the stuff that Natalie just covered, but kind of in a different way. So let's just, uh, let's get at it. So a guide to making a great WordPress site. I really like to call this presentation, How to Make Your WordPress Site Kick-Ass, Achieve Your Goals, and Conquer the World. Anybody, does that sound good to anybody? Is that what you guys want to do? All right, and then uh, just to back up real quick, I'm a pretty informal guy, so if you have questions during the presentation, I would prefer if you just put your hand up and let's address them during the presentation and have a dialogue versus me speaking to you and then you forgetting your question at the end and I'm standing up here with nothing to say. So here we go. Just before we start, let's just a little information. Here are three key things to think about when you're starting your own WordPress site, or any website for that matter. Why are you creating a WordPress site? And you can swap WordPress out with anything, I don't care. You know, you can use Joomla, Drupal, whatever. I don't give a shit. You just swap it out with whatever you want. We're gonna talk about what is your content about? Why are you creating this content? Why do you wanna publish this content? And then from there, the big one, the scary one that nobody ever wants to talk about or address, what are your goals? What are the goals of your site? What, are, what do you want to achieve when this site is launched and everybody comes to it and you become internet famous? So goals. Confucius say, a website without goals is an empty space on the interwebs visited by cat lovers and your mother. <laughs> and you know what? Probably a site without a goal, I don't even know if you get the cat lovers there, it'd just be your mother. So it's super important, I can't stress this enough, that you have to have site goals. And in my mind, there are only three goals with any website. And I've debated it, I've talked about it with people, and we have go round and round and round. I think that there's only three goals that you can accomplish. First one being commerce and conversion. Are you selling something from your site? A great example of a commerce site would be like Amazon. Their site is geared up and they measure results by commerce and what they sell. Also conversion, commerce is a, is a part of conversion. So do you want people to sign up for your newsletter? Do you want people to fill out your contact form? Are you an affiliate marketer and you're trying to get affiliate link clicks? What kind of conversion do you want? What action do you want people on your site to take? That's goal number one. Two, creating a community around your product, service, or brand. You know. You look at some, some sites like Deadspin. Deadspin's a great sports site. They have a great community rallied around their stuff. You see people comment over and over and over on different articles. You know, traditionally these are, you know, they could, it could be a nonprofit where you're trying to educate the community. It could be a, a news broadcast site. It could be anything. Are you trying to create a community around your site and around your product, service, or brand? Super important. And a third one, Pushing content for search. You know, bloggers out there, you know, they push out their content, and sometimes, you know, why are you doing it? You're probably, you're typically doing it to get a higher search result. You know, you keep on pushing out good content of value, good keyword latent content, and it's gonna help you in the search engines. So these are the three big goals. Commerce conversion, community, content. Anybody feel like I missed any goal? 
Yeah, it'll place you higher in the search engine's result page. So the more keyword-latent and strategic content that you're able to broadcast to your audience, the more you're going to be known for that area of expertise. The search engines are going to pick up on that, and it's going to help you rise through the ranks. So I didn't miss any goals. So typically, somebody always says, what about generating revenue and making money? That's what I really want to do. I don't care about the other stuff. Well, this is what I always say about that. Generating revenue is not a goal. Generating revenue is a byproduct of meeting your goals. So if you're able to accomplish the other goals that you have metrics and you have things set up for, you know, creating content, conversion, and commerce and community, you're going to start generating revenue. So it's super important to separate the two. In my mind, okay, I'll say it again. I'll probably say it 100 times today. Generating revenue is a byproduct of meeting your goals. Agree, disagree? Am I crazy? Am I on the right track? Joe, J Joe Mana from Effusionsoft agrees with me. I must be saying something okay. So here, now here's the steps moving forward, aka making things happen. I'm going to walk you through quick steps on how to set up your site, what's important to look for when you set up your site. Step one, select a logical domain name. What do you want your site to be known for? What's easy for visitors to remember? What's logical for your business? What makes sense? If you, I suggest that everybody in here at least try to buy your own personal name. I've been trying to buy Greg Taylor for years. The guy won't budge. But if you have another name, you know, uh, something that's, you know, maybe less common, maybe you can go today and buy it. Step 1A would be go to Namecheap and buy it. And then once you buy it, buy the .NET and buy the .org. So do this with anything. Do this for your brand, your company, you know, whatever you want to. Go ahead and buy those. The last thing you want is to have to do something, you know, with an abbreviated, confusing domain name. They will be, as soon as I'm done. If I put them up online, nobody would show up. <laughs> you give me about 30 minutes, and they'll be there for you. So Confucius say, he who buys domain from unsavory registrars is subject to torture. So buy it from somebody who's accredited. Buy it from a good place. You know, sometimes you know, some domain registrars will bounce you around, and then you're buying it from somebody you have no idea who it is. I'd stick, you know, I buy everything from Namecheap. Namecheap's always been a sponsor, WordCamps and stuff like that. The greatest thing about Namecheap is you can go to the website Namecheap Coupons. There's always a coupon for a discount. You know, GoDaddy is a sponsor of WordCamp here today, so I'd be remiss if I didn't mention them, but. <coughs> Two, select the right web hosting company. Not everybody needs Amazon Web Services. Not everybody needs this huge, huge solution. These are the ones that I like to work with. HostGator, I think HostGator has tremendous support and they just make things easy. Media Temple on a, is great for a larger sites because it, it's very easy to scale and those guys are top notch also. Now if you wanted to do something you're afraid of self-hosting and you want to get into more of a managed hosting space, and managed hosting is where your host provides and takes care of all the WordPress updates, plugin updates, theme updates. You don't have to do anything scary to your site. Check out Pagely, who's a local company here out of Gangplank, and check out WP Engine, two other really good managed hosting companies. But this is super important. <clears throat> Not all hosting companies are the same. The $3.95 a month hosting company, they will deliver you $3.95 worth of value. And that's, again, that's, you know, I see people, I got to somebody. So there's a certain hosting company that, you know, my, my company, Marketing Press, we do a couple of things. But one thing that we do is we fix hack sites and we do some emergency services. There's a common denominator with every hacked site, and it's the hosting is the cheapest hosting possible. Not naming any names. But $3.95 will get you $3.95 worth of value. Now, if you want to step your game up and go up a little bit, the HostGator, I think you know, you'd spend like nine bucks a month. Come on, where's the value? I mean, that's such a little amount of money for that much more security. So anyway, step three, start with the latest install of WordPress. 
don't, you know, a lot of times there'll be one, one click installs for a lot of different hosting companies. Start with the latest version. We're on 3.5 now. So if you're gonna start a site today, please start with WordPress 3.5. They've worked out all the bugs of the other stuff and they've given you added features that 3.4 didn't have. Another thing that we see a lot of times when we start working with sites and people will say, I, I broke my site, I can't get this to work. Well, you're working in WordPress 2.7, I don't know, whatever. That's like ages ago. So when you go, go to start and launch a new site, start with the latest version of WordPress. It is gonna save you lots and lots of headaches. Four, oh, Confucius say, starting with old versions of installs may lead to the plague and your village will be ravished. Just like what I said. You're setting yourself up for a huge headache. Why would you want to do that if you don't have to? Anyway, we are on WordPress 3.5. Four, carefully select a theme. And Natalie did a great job going over this before. Not all themes are the same. So when you're thinking about a theme, consider the out-of-the-box aesthetics. What does it look like right away? She gave a great uh, resource called Meowify. And what that does is when you see a theme demo, you can just copy and paste the URL into their window and it will place all the images on the site with cats. So what it does is, is this theme functional for you or do you like it just because of the images that they use? One thing about themes is when you buy a theme, the demo is usually pretty tricked out and it looks really awesome. Who's ever bought a theme and then installed it and it looked nothing like the demo and you guys, huge headaches, right? It's a number one pet peeve about this. I always tell like theme developers, you should dumb it down. You should make one that's like, that looks like exactly what it's gonna look like when you install it with a couple of bells and whistles rather than having this huge custom dev solution because I think that just, there's a huge disconnect there. The th other thing you wanna look at is check out the out of the box functionality. What does it come with? What does this theme already do, you know, when you install it and you get things up and running? You know, if, if you can start with a good theme, and I like to work with uh, the Genesis Studio Press, the Studio Press Genesis stuff, because that allows me to start a site out at, at the 30-yard line and go to the end zone rather than way back at, you know, the one-yard line. So I'm able to get up to speed really quickly because I've carefully selected what the site's gonna look like and the functionality. Then from there, you can do all the customizations that you're comfortable with. Five, do what, you can hand, do what you can with the design skills you have, then hire somebody. If you can afford to hire a designer to take care of things like the icons, header images, backgrounds, stylized images, whatnot, it's worth your money. Because I can't, because what separates a good site from a great site is the, little, is the little tweaks that a designer can add to it. Now, I know that not everybody can afford a designer, and you know, we're here because you know, a lot of this stuff we want to do ourselves and whatnot, but I guarantee it that even the untrained eye can tell the difference between me using Photoshop and Illustrator and a trained professional. It sets everything apart, and it just adds that much more, especially if you're doing client work. Put it in the budget, hire a designer. Here we go, six. Now take everything that we've gathered and I'll put it together. So develop your site with those goals in mind, with your logical URL, with the good host that you want to work with, with a decent theme, hopefully having some design aesthetics in mind. This is the just do it phase. It's time to get to work. You put all of this stuff in motion where you can start actually seeing your site come to life. Seven, organize your content. So Natalie spoke a bunch about content, different content, how to create content. This is how I like to go about it. Do some keyword research. I like using Google, uh, Google AdWords and their keyword tool. Get your topics in order. Know what you're going to write about. Biggest thing here, develop an editorial calendar. If you're going to launch content, you're going to publish content and blog, I guarantee that all of us are going to get busy and there's probably, I don't know, 100 things we'd rather be doing than writing blog posts especially after that newness of your site wears off. Anybody experience that newness, that blogger lull? Yeah, okay, hands, there we go. Because that's what happens. We're all stoked on having a site. We love it, we love it. We write like crazy. We publish four or five times a week, maybe more, if you're one of those people. And then all of a sudden, what happens? We run out of things to say. Then we start publishing once a week. Then once every other week. 
then once a month. And then all of a sudden, your site's dormant and it's being visited by cat lovers and your mom again. Stop complaining and just start creating. Just do it. The best thing about an editorial calendar is you, do, you set it up yourself, so it's on you. But if I have something scheduled, like Tuesday afternoon, Saturday mornings, Tuesday afternoons are typically when I find that I like to write the most, I just schedule it on my calendar as a business activity. If you schedule it, it'll happen. If you say it as an afterthought, hey, uh, when I find some time I'm gonna do it, it's not gonna happen. And then you're back to just having a static site. Starting without a plan is not starting all. It's thinking about starting and then complaining that you have to start. Editorial calendar is seriously one of the most powerful things I've ever introduced to my company. And I always talk about it and I tell people about it all the time. Super easy. My editorial calendar is about as low tech as it gets. It's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper hung on my office wall with dates and topics. Nothing set in stone. We can move it around. If something relevant pops up I want to write about, I can interject it and I can move things around. I never publish my editorial calendar. It's just something for me you know, to have. It's just a guideline. So eight, install your WordPress plugins. Use only what's necessary. Lots of times, you know, I'll get calls from people that say, I, can't, I don't understand why my site is running so slow. Why is the load time minute 45? I don't get it. Well, you have 60 plugins installed. So use only what's necessary. If they're inactive, delete them. Don't be lazy. If you can replace a plugin with one or two lines of code, do it yourself. Find somebody that can do it. Research it and make that happen. The load time will be so much easier to make it for a better site. With plugins and functionality, sometimes less is more. So must-haves, this is my unofficial list of must-have WordPress plugins that I like to use on every site. WordPress SEO by Yoast, it's probably the best SEO plugin out there. Google XML, it'll create the sitemaps for you. Um, Yoast, I think, also does that. Gravity Forms, I love using Gravity Forms. Anybody else use Gravity Forms here? Probably the best contact form plugin. It's so robust, you can do so much with it. And then I like to use Social Sharing Toolkit. You can just add all the sharing icons for uh, all the different social media stuff. Super easy, super flexible. It just works right away. So there's an asterisk next to Gravity Forms because that's a paid plugin. You do have to buy it. But I guarantee it is worth the money. So one, one quick thing about paid plugins. Anybody here develop plugins? A couple people? Do you guys charge for them or are they free? Free? Both? So do you, John, all the ones that you uh, developed that you charge for, you, you have support for, correct? You get what you pay for. Free is free. And I love people who develop free plugins. And typically, people develop plugins because it solved their challenge. They're going to package it. And if they're saying, if I have this challenge, somebody else is probably having this challenge. Let me be a good WordPress community member and let me, and everybody else can use this. But when it comes to something like Gravity Forms or some of the other, like uh, Content Membership or Content Membership Pro from Pippin Williamson, stuff like that, you get what you pay for. They're the best out there and they charge accordingly because they do what no other thing can do. And they, a lot of people have built businesses around this. So nine, optimize everything. Optimize your content. Optimize your titles, optimize the descriptions, optimize your images. You know, just know what your keywords are. Know where, what, what niche you're trying to fill on the web. Know what you want to be found for. And then just try to do as much of this as possible. You know, again, you know, like Natalie made a point, like don't over-optimize, don't think too much about that. I'm a big believer in writing content for your audience and for the readers and your visitors, not for the search engines. Write for people first. People are the, what's going to keep coming back and for, you know, back to your site over and over and over who are going to help you accomplish your goals. Optimi optimization separates the great sites from the good, the professionals from the industry hacks, plus it lets you see what's really ugly. So it's just a great way to make sure that you're found. Ten, measure everything. Now we're getting back to the goals. So we started with goals. 
We kind of went into aesthetics and functionality. Now we're back with goals. Install Google Analytics. Install Google Webmasters tool. They will give you probably everything that you need to know and then more about your site. From the outset, Google Analytics may look a little scary, but there is great, you know, Google has some great uh, tutorials on it and what to look for. You know, even if you're just looking for, you know, your traffic and with Webmaster Tools, how people are coming to find your site. And StatPress is a, is a quick plugin that you can add in that you can just get a quick snapshot of your traffic. It'll tell you, you know, the unique visitors and how many people visited and, you know, compared to last month. You can do some cool stuff with it. It's free. It's, it's clean and easy. It's something that, you know, I let clients use a lot if, they, if I feel like they're going to be afraid of Google Analytics. So you cannot improve what is not measured. So how do you know if your site is a success or a failure if you don't measure things? You don't. So measure everything. Measure everything and work to that. I can't say it enough. Measure everything. 11, launch and go. Don't wait until your site is 100% or you will never go live. There will always be time to update. So for clients, we launch almost every site about 90, 95% complete. Because if we wait for that 100% marker, there's always going to be a change. There's always going to be something and nothing ever gets done. And do it the same thing, you know, it's the same for you guys. Just go ahead, launch it before you think it's perfect. Because what we do then is you can take and go back to Google Analytics and Webmaster Tools in about 30, 45 days. You make changes then based on data. And you're going to make data-driven decisions at that point to get your site finished. So now it's no longer important, you know, that you can A-B test and it's no longer important that you can, that you th think and you feel like things should be one way, the data is going to make the, the decision for you. You're not going to have to, there's no guesswork any longer. Twelve, review, refine, repeat. Best part about WordPress, launch it, collect the data, see where you're at with everything, make your tweaks. You're going to make tweaks, you're always going to be messing with it. WordPress is so fluid that you're always going to be making changes. You know, you can, you, you can make changes on the fly. You can make changes, you know, whenever you want. The biggest thing then is just repeat. Go back at it. Do it again. Make your changes. Measure the data. Go back. So here's the greatest thing about launching a WordPress site. We have an amazing community rallied around the site, rallied around the, the solution. There are people who are willing to help you with WordPress, always. There's mentoring appointments. I mentor at Gangplank eight hours a month, second and fourth Tuesday. And all you got to do is make an appointment through Gangplank down the street. There are meetup groups that like Carol runs. And there's word camps like this. There's always somebody willing to share their knowledge with this open source. And most of the time, the really good people that I've met you know, through this community, they're always willing to help you, always willing to collaborate, always willing to share what they know with you because it makes us all better as a community. Questions? All right, here's that uncomfortable moment where... This isn't really an SEO question. Okay. Well, it's just a matter of, you know, it's a matter of preference a lot of it is. Uh, I like Yoast's. It's just a little bit more complete. It, it has more technical. It has more bells and whistles to it. It interacts with Google XML and their sitemaps. It, it's, uh, you know, I think it's the best one out there. Okay. So another question to that, then, do you use the Google XML uh, off of Yoast, or do you install the I install a separate one. Separate plugin and just deactivate the one from Yoast? Yeah, that's how I do it right now. Well, I think that, so the question is, what functionality should we be looking for in themes? I think that, you know, look at sites that you like and sites that, that you want to replicate. What kind of functionality do they have? You know, uh, you know, how do they handle their images? You know, how are they displayed? Is it widget-based? 
like you know, Studio Press's Genesis is pretty much widget-based, where you you know you can just move things around. That's an awesome function. I think that the biggest thing is before the functionality is what do you want to accomplish? So I'm going to go back to the goals. You know, we want to get functions that's going to help you easily accomplish your goals. So is it robust? You know, good contact forms. Is it you know the way that the data is presented? Is it how it's organized on the sidebar? You know, it's all of that different stuff to think about. I probably didn't answer your question the way you wanted me to, so I apologize. So I've had a couple sites blow up on me by, on clients by just doing the one-click install. So I'm going to give you a tip that's going to take 10 minutes that's going to save you 10 hours of headache. Before you do it, just back it up. Back up. Backing up data is the quickest way to prevent a headache. So what I end up doing is, you know, I do, most of the times, you know, I'll back up the site and then I'll upgrade it. I have, usually have little problems. If I do ever have problems, it's typically not from the WordPress update. It's the plugin conflict. So that's what you want to look at. You know, the plugins that you use, and hopefully you're not using 60 of them, you're using just a couple like we talked about. You know, that, you know, are they three point whatever compatible? You know, and then that'll all be listed. And it's super important to know that. And a lot of times the plugin developers, they know what's coming from the core team. So when they're on their game, they're going to make sure that their plugin is compatible. Because nothing's worse than reading on Twitter, you know, XXX, you know, whatever plugin isn't working, it's not 3.5 compatible, this plugin sucks, blah, blah, blah. Well, nobody wants that. So, yeah, yeah. I back up the whole site, I back it all up. It takes an extra, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes. I use Backup Buddy a lot, another premium plugin to buy. But I back up the whole thing. I'm going to back it all up. Right in front. Well, I think one of the important things is, the most important thing is, like, how do, how do you like to use it? Sure. So when you're looking at other sites to kind of get an insight into their functionality, what do you look for? Is there any tips or tricks on how to figure out what am I looking at? Pretty much right? Well, yeah, just look at the site. Like, how does it, you know, how's the, the user experience? Is it easy to navigate? Is it easy to use? Is it simple? Is it clean? You know, my, user, my UX test and a lot of stuff, user experience test on some things, is my mother. I say, hey, how many... You know, my mom's 64 years old, something like that, you know. Not super technical. She can turn on the internet. She can navigate a site. Like, hey, can you tell me how to fill out the contact form? If she can do it, then it's pretty good. So if any of you guys want my mom's email address. <laughs> no, so I look at that stuff. Another great thing to do is in Chrome, you can inspect the elements, and you can look at kind of behind or to view the source. It'll tell you what plugins are running, things like that. So view the dev source. Joe. Is it better to try to incorporate the benefits of each plugin in the UX or to optimally look at the internal So the question is, is it better to add the, the functionality, the functionality through plugins to the theme or vice versa? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of times you can do that easily. You know, you want a good, great contact form, Gravity Forms is a plugin. So use that. You know, there are other times when it's a function that, you know, that, that you want that there's no plugin that you have to write some custom code for. You know, so it's, 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 it's one or the other. You know? Also, how heavy is the, is the plugin on, on the site? You know, what, what does that do to the load speed? You can use like Pingdom to test that stuff. But it, it, it all depends on what it is. I knew this was going to come up. I think that, okay, WordPress for e-commerce. My official answer, it's amazing. No. 
It's, it's limited, like anything else. You know, WordPress is not the 100% solution to everything out there. And I'll, I'll say that. I'll say that up here. It's not the solution to everything. It's a solution to a lot of things, but not to everything. So I've done a lot of uh, e-commerce sites, like using the WooCommerce plugin with some different themes. It works well to a point. So, you know, with your goals, you know, you also have to consider scalability. At some point, a different solution is going to be a little bit better. So it, it all depends on what you're doing. Are there variables in your products? You know, uh, are you a jewelry company and on the back of each bracelet or something like that, you're offering custom engraving? And are the chains, are there a million different sizes, things like that? So if it's simple, static product, you can get away with it and you can do something really cool. But if there's a lot of product variables, a lot of shipping variables, blah, 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 you might want to look at something else. And then you can incorporate that solution into your WordPress site. Lawrence. Well, it all depends on what you want to accomplish. I mean, you can use analytics, you can set up goals and track the goals in analytics based upon what you want to do. You know, there's, I could probably, I probably wouldn't be the best person to talk about all of that stuff. Some other people specialize that. But uh, there are a lot of different tips, so it all depends on what you want to do. So the things that I like to look at are, I, looked at, well, I like to look at like unique visitors, you know, what kind of traffic, how are they coming, time on site, you know, how long are they spending on this page versus this page, entrance paths versus exit paths, you know, where are they coming in, where are they leaving, that type of stuff. In the back up there. So how do I do keyword research? Well, keyword research all starts with, you know, I use the Google AdWords tool because I want to be found in Google most prominently. So I use the tools that they give me. So and then from there, I just kind of start seeing if I can bridge any disconnects. So I work with a lot of clients who, like uh, an orthopedic surgeon, he wants to be found for you know, X, XYZ, very, very technical, medical, jargony type term. When I say to them, well, that's great, and we should do something around that, but really what you want to be found for is knee injuries. So what I try to do is I try to take, eliminate any jargon and institutional knowledge, I call it, like that you know within the walls of your company, and kind of dumb that down to the lowest level. From there, you know, it'll tell me, you know, how many global searches, how many monthly searches, and how com competitive is the search term. My favorite type of search term that I want to go to right off the bat is something with a high search volume that's low in competition. So that's the first thing that I want to look at. Look at the competition, look at the volume. If there's no volume, well, then why even bother? But if there's 50,000 people and it's a high term, chances are it's going to take a lot of work or get an SEO team in there to do it for you. But if it's low competition, high search volume, you have a fighting chance. So I love categories. So I think categories, from a content creation standpoint, is the quickest way to put, your, put all your posts and all your pages in their own separate bucket. So if, you, you know, if I'm writing about sports injuries, you know, I might want to write about the knee specifically. So people who come to my site for knee injuries, why wouldn't I want to tag, you know, categorize all that content and give them more of what they already came for? So that's helping me, my visibility, and you know, being perceived as a subject matter expert. So I love categories. I love setting pages up you know, on top of, a, you know, in the nav, using the custom menu, using a category. You know, let all the posts flow right to that thing. So I love that. Tags, I really don't work so much with tags, because I think that once you introduce tags to clients, they go crazy. They want to tag it with 50, 60 different things. And then what, it, what does it do? It diminishes the value of the tag in the category. So I, I'm a firm believer in, in the content categories, but tags, I don't pay that much attention to. Do you, do you categorize like articles, expert articles, and blog posts? Like, you know, separate out kind of two different categories, or do you just put everything into 
Well, what, well, what you can do, with, you know, is I like to have content, you know, everything is a post, you know, when you're working with a category. So everything is a post. They're all fluid pages. They're all dated and they're fluid in reverse chronological order. But from there, what I like to do is if it's a specific topic, I let it flow just to one page and I'll suppress it from the general blog or news page. Because you can do that. You can say, I don't want category. And each category, there's a number. When you try to edit the category, there'll be a string up there. There'll be a post ID number or a category number. You just put it in there and say, I don't want category six to show up on my general blog. And that's a great way to, you can write about subject at that point, where, you know, about knee injuries. And then over here, you can just use your blog as a traditional news and PR outlet. So if you want to, I can show you examples after this if you want to see some other stuff. In the back. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it works for them. But how many other .co's are there that you know that are prominent? If it's available, you might as well buy it. Because if trends go that way, it may be important someday. I mean, the only reason I get the you know .net .org because I don't want somebody squatting on my brand. It's just a little bit of protection, you know. But if if you want to do the same thing with .co, that's fine. You can do that. And typically, they're not that expensive .co's, right? Yeah, but 30 or 40 bucks in the grand scheme of things of protecting your brand, it's still pretty inexpensive. It's cheaper than hiring a lawyer and fighting something, right? Yeah. That's a great question. So there's a lot of, you know, the first thing I'll do to learn more about WordPress. So the question was, what additional resources do I have? And do I, are my go-to thing for learning more about WordPress. That's a great, you know, WordPress, uh, they have their own blog about what's going on, changes, and the codex is, a is super helpful. There's lots and lots of, you know, uh, instructional type stuff. It's a little bit high level, so you have to be a little bit more technical to know that. But other stuff is, I love going to meetups. You know, Carol Stanwall runs one down Gangplank every Thursday, a uh, third Thursday. It's great. I love coming to WordCamps. I love hearing people speak about stuff that I think that I know about because they're going to pre present it to me and it would in a different slant, kind of change my paradigm a little bit. Uh, just the community. Twitter is a great resource. I mean, you're always going to see people p pushing out links and stuff. Uh, WP Beginner, I think WPBeginner.com is a great resource with uh, tips and tricks and videos, instructional stuff. Like, I like that. WP Candy is pretty good. They have a lot. They, a lot of interviews with the high-level developers. And this read, you know, I just like to poke around in people's blogs and read about it. I, know I have a Google Reader set up, uh, just an alert with different WordPress topics. There's tons and tons of information. But if I can find somebody, you know, say, hey, how did you accomplish this and have a A to B conversation, you know, that's typically the best resource. And we have a great community structured around that. Wow, that's like the million-dollar question. If you can answer that, you can come work for me. <laughs> I think that, you know, how do I get my clients, how do I get my clients to give me the content in a timely fashion? At the beginning of a project, I'll set up a timeline with milestones and benchmarks. What I will do is, my timeline, and I'll be very, very candid and very upfront with them, depends on you with a lot of things, you being the client. I will say, on March 15th, we will bring this site to 80% so that you can do a review, provided that on March 1st, you give me this. When they don't meet their milestone, they can no longer expect me to meet a milestone. So I just try to make the client as, as accountable as possible. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes, you know, but at least if you're upfront and say, hey, you know, this is a collaboration. I need this from you. You need this from me. I can't do my job until you help me out. I can't paint a wall if you don't supply me with paint. Yep. More specific to WordPress, but just in general, what software do you use for like project 
Yeah, you know, I'll just put it in a, a shared Google document where we, you know, they can see it and they can edit it and they can make notes. There's some great, you know, me being a small company and somebody being a five, ten person company, then somebody being a 50 to 100 percent, there's different solutions out there. So Basecamp is good. Asana is a good project management tool. Um, I don't know. You know, I present it to the clients just in a stylized document in a stylized PDF, pretty much, so that they can't, you know, so it has some integrity to it. So is Marketing Press a team that you create or a company? That marketing Press is a WordPress a development company of mine, yeah. That's just our company name. So and what we do is uh, WordPress design and development and then also emergency and maintenance services. In about 30 minutes, I'll post them. In about 30 minutes, I'll post them online, and then uh, I'll tell Carol where they are. We'll put it up there. Way in the back. Optimizing what? So optimizing real quick, you just want to make sure that you know what your keywords are. You want to make sure what space you're playing in. You want to make sure your images are named something either descriptive or logical to that image. The worst image name is like, uh, you know, if you get something off a digital camera, it has that long string, .jpg. You know, ABC 1950, blah, 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 .jpg. Name it something. Name it, you know, WordCamp presentation. You know, something that's relative, that's related to what you're doing. Uh, from there, there's just tons of other things. I can give you some resources after this to look at. That's like a whole presentation somebody could do. They're probably doing it later this afternoon. Anything else? Well, again, I go back to the WordPress community. Who, you know, who do I, whose work do I like? Who, what developers do I respect? What developers are cool and get along, they're not dicks. You know what I mean? You look at all that stuff and then you say, all right, can you help me with this? And they're open to helping you. Then, you know, you make a relationship. You know, WordCamps are a great place to form relationships with other people that are in the WordCamp. And typically, those relationships are formed like at the after party or, you know, things like that, the hallway conversations, you know, but, but there's, you know, meetup groups, ton, you know, tons. Of, are you here in town? Yeah. Oh, if you're here in town, you can down at Gangplank, second and fourth Tuesday, you know, just make an appointment. I'd be happy to help you and show you and, you know, uh, address specific challenges that you may or may not have. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Underscore dot me. Underscores dot me? Underscores plural dot me. Oh, here you go. If you stay seated, he'll, he'll get you next. There we go. Isn't that awesome? I just teed it up for you a little bit. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Do I really? Holy smoke. <laughs> wow. Hey, we could talk about other stuff too. Yep. Yes. So, do the plugins prompt you for an update? Yes. Everything that's installed in WordPress will prompt you for an update. So, themes, uh, the core will prompt you for an update, and plugins. And you'll see that in your dashboard on the left hand side. It'll simply say updates with a number, and it'll tell you what needs to be updated. And pretty simple. You know, when you do update a plugin, you don't always have to back it up, back up your site. But if you're updating something that is very, very important to your site, just back up your site. I can't say that enough. Yeah. What does a new version of WordPress need to upgrade to? And your plugins also need some upgrades. Is there any magic order to it? Do you upgrade the plugins first, then the core second, or? 
Well, the first thing I do is I back it up. <laughs> but then from there, it, it doesn't really matter. I would, I would do, my personal preference would be to do update WordPress first and then update my plugin. Back it up, you know, I use Backup Buddy for a backup, so it's a premium plugin. So you back it up, it'll stay within your host. It'll stay outside your WordPress folders on your host. You can also have it deliver and route it wherever you want it to go. You can have it del delivered to you by email. I don't suggest that because sometimes the files are, can get large. Or it can get delivered to like a Dropbox folder for you or something like that. So whatever works for you. You can, sure. You can have it delivered there. Absolutely. Yeah, I, the where it goes isn't as important as the action of doing it. And then you just figure out what's going to work best for you and your, and your uh, flow and whatnot. No, I would do exactly that. So I spoke a lot about starting with the most recent ver version of WordPress. So if you use a one-click install solution, and it sometimes, you know, they're not, you know, and I understand why. They're not very quick to say, okay, we're going from 3.4.5 to 3.5, you know, because they want to make sure all the bugs are worked out because they don't, the last thing they want to do is give you a solution that's going to raise their support <laughs> times and all that stuff. So what I would do is install it, and then just upgrade it yourself. WordPress. Yeah. If you're installing WordPress, use WordPress. I mean, if you're, you know, if you want to be found in Google, you use Google's tools. Just. Yeah. I do it through the dashboard. Yeah, it's just preferred. Some people to go through the database. It all depends on, you know, speed of you know how you want to do it, and how you know. Some people are uncomfortable messing with the database. So, yep. So. The question is, when I build a site, do I do it uh, in a dev environment or do I do it on another live domain? I use a dev environment on my own server. I don't put it on the clients because, uh, I don't know. I know I'm going to get paid. <laughs> but uh, So I would do like dev dot, you know, dev their name dot, my company's name. I would just build it on mine. Well, I build it on something that will just be live and hidden, so I don't do it in something that's local. I use Backup Buddy to move it, or you can just you know move it manually. The good thing about using Backup Buddy is that they'll change all the paths and all the URLs that were not relative, that were hard-coded. They'll change them automatically into the new URL. So I always miss one when I go to change it, you know, when I was doing it before. And then you go live and an image is missing, something like that. Now I don't have to worry about that. Yes? Uh, Coda. I use Coda as a tool to do a lot of editing, or I'll just do it in the WordPress editor. Well, yes and no. I mean, it'll be a, a live site that nobody will see with the privacy settings, you know, with it not being indexed. And again, there's a million different ways to do that. That's just what works for me and is the simplest for me and my clients right now. No, it's free, absolutely free. So all you need to do is send an email to Nancy. So if anybody is interested in mentoring at Gangplank to learn more one-on-one -on -one solutions, send an email to Nancy at gangplankhq.com. or Chandler at gangplankhq.com. 
and they'll be able to schedule a mentoring appointment for you. But, and it's free, no cost, it's 45 minute appointments. I do it second and fourth Tuesday from one to four. Yeah, second and fourth Tuesday. One to four. Any other questions? Yeah. You guys are not allowed to answer questions. Do I have a favorite beer? I do have a favorite beer. Now we're getting into good discussion. This is why I like to speak, because people like to ask me this stuff. Yingling. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. You can't get it out here. But anything cold will do. <laughs> hey, you just keep keep breathing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, not right now, I don't. But I can show you afterwards. Come on, really? I'm going to be critiqued by a thousand people who are in here while I'm standing up here? Just hoping somebody asks me another question? Yeah, because there's deactivated plugins do because they're still installed, so they're still taking up that resource, but they're just not active with the functionality. So if they're inactive, just delete them because chances are, you'll have access to them again, and if you paid for them, you have a zip file that you can just upload. So if they're not doing anything for you, don't let them hurt you, just, just get rid of them. So hey everybody, thanks for checking out an episode of The New Marketing Show, the marketing podcast where we talk about how effective digital marketing web development solve business problems. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. You can get it at trinitywebmedia.com slash iTunes or Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. So thanks for listening.